With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. That's it. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I'm your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, and it is Tuesday, November 5th, 2013, and I will be live here for the next hour. And then after that, be sure to join me and a couple of my friends that you've heard on the broadcast before. <clears throat> on libertymovementradio.com that is libertymovementradio.com we are running a money bomb over there tonight as a one year anniversary of the station they actually syndicate my show on um, on Wednesdays and I believe they carry it live on Thursday night so big shouts out to all my friends over there you guys do great work um, when we can all keep it together in this crazy world that we live in so that being said, I did want to start off the show with something a little different because when I wrote the show notes for tonight and when I wrote the topic for the show, I wanted it to be about solidarity between all different factions of humans that inhabit the United States and we like to align ourselves with little tribal groups called political alignments. So I wanted to cut through the BS tonight, whether you're a liberal, libertarian, uh, Democrat, Republican, whatever jersey you typically tote out when you walk out into the world, let's put those jerseys on the shelf for this evening, and let's really focus on things that I believe we can all agree on. Now, the resolutions to all these things that we can agree on are different. And that's where the infighting comes in. But what I want you to get out of the show, moving forward, this is, a, this is a new train of thought for myself. I do have conservative ideological views, but that's just myself. So I want to open it up to a broader audience and believe that we could all come together on some just concrete, simplistic things. So before I get into the political diatribe. This is a clip from Neil deGrasse Tyson, whom, if you guys have never seen any of his work, he's been on Nova. This was actually a lecture he was giving. And this really does snap it into perspective. For all the political infighting, for all demonization campaigns, for all the mainstream media using the divide and conquer methodology 
and then the lemmings going out and repeating the regurgitating the rhetoric we have to break through that we have to start and I'm educating myself and anybody that listens to the show if you start from the very beginning and listen to it currently it's very very different I guess that's why my audience has fluctuated so much I had a a peak where I was doing very very well and then I went on a downslide when I got into um, some of my philosophical ideological beliefs instead of staying true to the message and the message is is that we are all human beings we are not cattle we are not sheep we are not wage slaves this is not what we are put on this planet to do and we are also not put on this planet to interact hatefully with one another now I'm reading some books that really do challenge my philosophical ideology of our human beings born innately good or we born innately evil is it a learning process or we blank slates what are we well, that's an argument for a different day. So let's let Neil deGrasse Tyson really bring us in to a cohesion where I think we can all gravitate towards and really understand one another, even if we don't agree with the philosophies of the other parties or the other people. We need to respect them. Respect the differences. And here's a, here's a novel concept. If you can't defend your political ideology with grammar, logic, and rhetoric and taking out the, the spin from the media or, or newspapers that you've read, remember going around and, and reciting talking points to people does not make you an intellectual. It makes you a repeater. And the real debates that need to go on in this country and the tough debates that need to go on in this country and then from our country moving out towards the rest of the world because I don't want to say that we are a, um, the center of the universe by any means, but the world really does look to the United States as a beacon of hope and what, what you can really do when you have absolute freedom. Well, what we have dis decided to do with it is to try to go around and spread democracy through bombing and overthrows and putting in dictators, removing them, you know, 30 years later. So the policies are flawed. But why is that so? I believe it's because of the information not getting to the public and the correct information not through the filter that you want. You see, before I get into the political stuff, let me let Neil deGrasse Tyson lay it out for you. And then I'll get into the political stuff. Thanks for joining me, everybody. It is the, the People's Show. It is um, live every Tuesday and Thursday night from 9 until 10 p.m. I might be expanding it here soon, but then again, I have a baby on the way, so I might be shrinking the show. Who knows? Also, um, did finish up some side issue. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me about the New World Order um, for dummies. That will be airing here pretty soon. Josh and I did some... some uh, some brainstorming earlier this afternoon, and we should be able to get the first tracks, I believe, laid down sometime soon once we get all the editations done. Once again, me making up words. Once we get all the editing done, then we should be able to launch the, um, the New World Order um, for Dummies. And it is going to be a glancing blow, everybody. So it's not going to be an in-depth, detailed um, diagnosis of the challenges that we face against the global technocracy and the global um, transhumanist elite. 
it will be a, a once-over, but then also giving you leverage and guides to go a little bit further. If you, if you want to, if you're inquisitive about what we, what we talked about, we're going to give you hyperlinks on documents, um, the publications that are readily available. We'll put those all in one place so that you can take the time from, you know, and, and by using the trivium and, and, and learning how to teach yourself new philosophies, We'll all grow together as human beings. So here is Neil deGrasse Tyson to, to kick us off here. So enjoy, everyone. All right, just a couple of thoughts. One that's sort of deeply cosmic and another one that is fascinatingly disturbing, I think. You'll be the judge of this. Uh, consider a couple of fundamental facts that has been gleaned in the past 60 years. That the ingredients, if you had asked your chemistry teacher 50 years ago, once you looked at that mysterious chart of boxes that sat in front of your class, the periodic table of elements, where did those elements come from? The chemistry teacher would actually not have an answer for you. They'll say, well, you dig them out of the earth. That's not where they come from. It took modern astrophysics to determine the origin of the chemical elements. We observe stars. We know what goes on in their center. They explode, laying bare their contents. And what we have discovered is that the elements of the periodic table, that which we are made of, derived from the actions of stars that have manufactured the elements, exploded, scattered their enriched guts across the galaxy, contaminating or enriching gas clouds that then formed a next generation of stars populated by planets and possibly life. And so when you look at the ingredients of the universe, the number one ingredient is hydrogen. Next is helium. Next is carbon. Sorry, uh, hydrogen, helium, oxygen, carbon, nitrogen. Those are the top ingredients in the universe. Now you say, well, okay, that's kind of cool. Well, and you look at Earth, because we like thinking of ourselves as special. We say, oh, we're special. Well, what are we made of? Well, what's the number one sort of molecule in the body? It's, it's water. It's water. Well, what's water made of? H2O, hydrogen and oxygen. Hmm, hydrogen and oxygen. In fact, if you rank the elements in the human body, with the exception of helium, which is chemically inert, useless to you for any reason other than just to inhale it and sound like <laughs> Mickey Mouse, um, you can't die from helium unless that's all you breathe. Um, so, uh, number one in the human body is hydrogen. Matches the universe. Number two is oxygen. Matches the universe. Number three, carbon. Matches the universe. Number four, nitrogen. Matches the universe. And for each of us, the fifth element, other, is the same in both places, okay? Other. So, we learned in the last 50 years that, of course, not only do we exist in this universe, it is the universe itself that exists within us. And had we been made of some rare isotope of bismuth, you would have arguments, hey, we're something special. But there are people who are upset by that fact, saying, well, that, would that mean we're not special? Well, I think it, it's special in another kind of way. Because when you look up at the night sky, it's no longer we're here and that's there. It's that we are part of that. And that association, for me, is actually quite enlightening and ennobling and enriching. In fact, it's almost spiritual. 
looking up at the night sky and finding a sense of belonging, given what we've learned about the night sky. And so, so now we have ourselves. Now, are we alone in the universe? We're made of the most common ingredients there are. And our chemistry is based on carbon. Carbon is the most chemically active ingredient in the entire periodic table. If you were to find a chemistry on which to base something really complex called life, you would base it on carbon. Carbon is like the fourth most abundant ingredient in the universe. Isn't that rare? You can make more molecules out of carbon than you can all other kinds of molecules combined. So, if we ask ourselves, are we alone in the universe, it would be, in spite of my diatribe about UFOs, I tell you in the same breath that it would be inexcusably egocentric to suggest that we are alone in the cosmos. The chemistry is too rich to declare that. The universe, too vast. There are more stars in the universe than grains of sand in all the beaches of the world. There are more stars in the universe than all the sounds and words ever uttered by all humans who have ever lived. To say we're alone in the universe. No, we haven't found life outside of Earth yet. We're looking. Haven't looked very far yet. Galaxies this big, we looked about that far. But we're looking. And how about life on Earth? How, is it hard to form? Just because we don't know how to do it in the lab doesn't mean nature had problems. So it may be, given that information, that given the right ingredients, which are everywhere, life may be inevitable, an inevitable consequence of complex chemistry. There we go. So that's a thought before we get the podcast rolling. The thought is... Whether you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, um, who knows, Communist, Marxist, Leninist, it really doesn't matter. I think we can all agree on fundamental human law, what used to be called the law of nature. And that is that we all need to strive to be better human beings. And the one way that we do this is by respecting each other and listening to other people's opinions. Not listening to pause to think about what you're going to say, but actually listening. Taking in the information that is being given to you by somebody else, interpreting that through grammar, logic, and rhetoric, finding out what the source is, where are they coming from, what is their personal belief, why do they believe that, and then ask them. And I think what you will find is that even though we like to put all these labels on ourselves and, and tout around and talk about and run in our little cliques of who we are and, and what we really stand for, there is a general consensus among people. Number one, people don't like to be told what to do and they don't like to be enslaved. Now that entire process has been turned on its head through your education system, but that's a story for another day. Now we have to aspire to be better people. In challenges of life, 
which we face on a day-to-day basis, on your personal level, whether it's just you waking up in the morning on time or whether it's you doing the dishes the right way before you go to sleep or anything, whether it's, you know, making it to a, a child's softball practice. We all have challenges. But the thing that the modern world has done is it's taken all of our challenges, made them, number one, very easy to dismiss, and number two, made it very difficult to interact with one another. As you see the brainwashing, and I hate to use that term, but there really is no other term for it, The ideological mist that has been sprayed among the masses here in America is not reality. And unfortunately, there are some that live in the mist and they will never come out of the mist. And those people you can't reach. They have determined that their reality supersedes actual physical reality. Their matrix level ideology really does supersede anything that you could put in front of them. It doesn't matter how many books you show them, how many video clips. The stubbornness of the human ego can only take so much. And it doesn't matter how many pieces of paper you have from a Carnegie-sponsored or Ford Foundation-sponsored university. You can maneuver within the psyche of the masses quite well, and you will think that you are very, quote-unquote, sophisticated. And if you really want to understand what I meant by, quote-unquote, you should really look up the definition of the word sophisticated. It is actually lying to yourself, believing that you are in a different reality than you actually exist. So I guess the overwhelming theme of what I'm trying to get at here before I get into news and things that have caught my eye over the last couple of days is that if we can put away our tribal instincts to group up, to be a part of a group, to be a part of a quote-unquote political party and just get back to being human and asking the real question does this make sense? Because now what we have is both sides of the political spectrum, neither one of them making sense. And it doesn't make sense on purpose. When I watched the president speak and when I watched John Carney speak today regarding the president's promise that if you have your plan, you can keep it, that he said over 26 times, and then says, well... I didn't really mean that you could keep it. I just meant you could keep it. You see voice inflection, all of these things. But the way that they shifted idioms throughout their speech, the way that they redirected your subconscious and used verbiage that didn't make sense, so it scrambles your thought process and your ability to siphon out what is real, what is not real. That's what we're trying to get across here. What we saw today was an incredible, I guess, accomplishment in social media where we had 
thousands of people all over the world coming together to protest government corruption. Well, here's the big challenge. A lot of people in a lot of positions understand that there are some battles to be fought. But they're too tired, they're too afraid, or they just don't, quote-unquote, have the time to fight them. And that's where we come in, the activists, the people that really do want change, that want to incite change, that don't want to just go with the status quo, that will challenge it, will push back on the system, will say that no, droning people in order to get one bad guy is not just is not just quote-unquote policy. It's absolute war crime. There's a huge difference. And I know that if you're listening to this and you're an establishment person and you think, well, we're keeping Americans safe. Let me ask you the question. If China sent drones over here once a week and blew up a couple of buildings in your city because it wasn't you know, endangering the Chinese pilots, would you still have the same philosophy? And the answer to that question is a glaring no. But you have been conditioned after World War II, when the war machine really did start to take hold, through the IG Farben, the delusion of that, through the Bushes and, and all of their money-making schemes and their pushing of the military-industrial complex with all of their investments and and war and... And, and oil and all of these different facets that they had their hands on. You were conditioned to accept this. You're conditioned to accept that it just is what it is. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is called the status quo. And I sit here as a free-thinking individual that has broken through the mind control, that has broken through the fog. I've turned my proverbial fan on. We can all just imagine that we have, as dumb as it may sound, those little headlamps with a little fan on them. And it's your choice. Do you choose to turn the fan on and see through the fog? And everywhere that you go, that the fog just fades away and fades away, and you see it for what it is. Mass propagandized mind control by corporate interests in order to condition you to be a wage slave or a consumer, however you want to look at it. That's what you're conditioned to do. Remember after 9-11, there was a big push. Don't everybody freak out. Get out there, support the economy, support the economy, support the economy. I don't know how many times you guys heard that, but if you were paying attention, you heard it almost every day. Kind of like weapons of mass destruction. You see, the people who are in charge and who have been there for a very long time and have positions of power in high-ranking groups and cabals, like the Bilderberg Group and, and the Council on Foreign Relations, which from what I hear is kind of a stagnant entity now, but these people really do understand human psyche and how to deflect your, your vision to be a free, aspiring human being that has a life, a family, um, that has children and grandchildren and has a savings. Here's a really good question for you Democrats out there. 
How many times have you heard your president say, try to save some money? They're never going to tell you to save. You are a bona fide consumer born out of an educational system which has taught you how to consume and do what you're told. So what happens when people push back on the system? Well, they're labeled terrorists or you're labeled a conspiracy theorist if you don't buy the quote-unquote propagandized line. So it really does become something of anathema of being a free individual. So I say put your tribal swords down. Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, communist, whatever. We have real issues here. We have real issues on an economic scale that the media won't tell you about. We have real issues when it comes to our foreign policy that the media won't touch either. We have extreme issues when it comes to the environment. Nobody talk global warming at me because I will hang up on you on the air. It is ridiculous. If you understood who owned all the carbon trading systems and they made it up as this big scam to make money, gee, I've never heard of a company doing that. Maybe Enron never did that. Maybe that's not why they went bankrupt. Don't get fooled again. Just like the who says, don't get fooled again. But we do have real environmental issues. Deforestation is a real environmental issue. That stupid plastic island that floats off the coast of California, that's a real issue. The fact that we even use oil a lot now is a real environmental issue. What are we doing? But no, I know it's fun to play political football. I know it's fun to go and say, well, the Democrats, if we just had a Republican in there... You already lost the battle. The battle goes on between your ears. And you have to realize that. It's a battle for your psyche. Whether you believe humans have a soul or not is irrelevant. Bertram Russell can kiss my ass. Those people that believe that we're a blank slate and we can be conditioned to do whatever they want us to do, they can all kiss my ass. You are a free, beautiful individual, and you have thoughts, and you have feelings, and they are not discerned to you by any stupid television or some radio show that you listen to or even a book you read. It comes from a culmination of your subconscious that breeds into one living organism that is a collection of microorganisms that formulates a thought. Try it tomorrow. Try it tonight before you go to bed. Don't think about what you've heard. Think about what Neil deGrasse Tyson said. Think about the vastness of the universe and how amazing it is. And we're on this rock spinning in the middle of space and we haven't all gotten together and gone, hey, what the, you know, what's out there? Let's go find out what's out there. That looks pretty cool. No, I got to be a Democrat. I got to worry about everybody else. No, I got to be a Republican. I got to worry about big business. It's all nonsense. It's all a bunch of nonsense. Yes, they're big issues. But unification of the human species and getting past all these stupid, petty issues. I mean, think about what you're arguing over. You're arguing over ones and zeros that don't even exist, that's not tangible. Are you serious? That's what we argue over? We're arguing over 
how to take care of the rest of the human population when it's so obvious? When it's so obvious, if you take away the point oh 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 one percent and their kleptocratic, you know, rigging of the system, if you take that away, then we all live in abundance. I mean, can we all just agree on that? And then, of course, you will have somebody that says, "Well, they've earned that money. Actually, probably they stole it." Is that earning it in your book, or is that stealing? Is that theft? Is that robbery? Do they deserve to be hung? What is it? You tell me. So that's it for my diatribe, everybody. Now I'm going to get into some news. I think I got my friend here that's going to be calling in in just a few minutes. Um, Josh Wiley um, from the Journalistic Revolution. He's got a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe with um, documentaries and, and interviews and what have you. So really looking forward to speaking with him again. And uh, anybody else that wants to call into the podcast, I know you guys are out there listening. I see the numbers. And I really appreciate the doctor calling in um, a couple of weeks ago. Had an incredible conversation. Once again, I'm not here to politically judge people, to politically have a banter with one of you. We need to get together. This is getting stupid. This is getting absolutely silly. That we got to go and get on opposite sides of the fence and then throw rocks at each other. I mean, come on. We're all adults here. Let's start acting like it. Call-in number is 602-753-1916. Welcome to planet Earth and welcome to humanity if you want to call in, and let's talk about how we can change things. So as we get going here, I do want to read an excerpt from this book that I'm reading, and I never got to it the other night. And it is entitled After the Welfare State. And it's really interesting because Jeffrey Moran of Harvard University says, your future depends on understanding what is in this book. And it is not a very thick book, and it's a compilation of articles that discuss what happens when we have a bloated welfare system. Now, the reason I bring this up is because this needs to be a debate as well. Can't get all the free goodies forever. We have to start teaching people how to be self-sufficient. We also can't collectivize everything that will collapse everything, as you'll hear here. Remember, this is not some new experiment here in America. This is not something brand new. This is not something that's never been tried before. The reason that historians get mad about the welfare state is because they know that it's used for leverage. And that's a big word you're going to hear Josh and I talk about when we do the New World Order um, for dummies, is leverage. That is what these people utilize on a day-to-day basis and push for, is to have leverage. If you watch um, a a good local, uh, or excuse me, a good modern-day analogy, if you watch the show called, um, oh my gosh, Boardwalk Empire, that entire show, even though they never mention the term, is all based on leverage. It's all about people having leverage over one another and utilizing the leverage to gain control and to gain things and to get things accomplished that they couldn't normally do on their own. So I got my friend Josh on the line here. So I'm going to read these. um, It's about a half a page, so everybody bear with me. But it will be an enlightening experience for everybody. So... Several important, and this talks about the the decade of the 70s, 
So several important public um, – excuse me, let me give you guys the title of the article before I completely botch this. It says, How the Welfare State Sank the Italian Dream by Persimello Fasalago, and it's F-A-S-A-S-C-O, F-A-L-A-S-C-A, excuse me. So you guys can all look that up and pull up the article if you want to have – a better understanding, but I will read you an excerpt from the article. Several important public policies in this period were adopted in the foundations for Italy's current crisis. The first was a weakening of fiscal discipline due to the 1966 constitutional court decision that loosely interpreted that a constitutional balanced budget constraint the suspension of the constitutional limits allowed Parliament to pass laws, and the annual expenses were covered not by fiscal income by taxation, but by the issue of treasury bonds. Hmm. Anybody following Americans' um, fiscal policy will probably cringe right now. And we'll go ahead and skip to the next paragraph. The second was an introduction of a generous pension system in 1969. The previous contribution-based mechanism was replaced with a distribution distributive system according to which the retirees received pensions that were not determined by the total amount of compulsory savings collected during their working years, but by merely their previous wages. So basically, they set to earn their wages not by how much money they saved. A, quote, social pension for every citizen was established, a.k.a. Social Security. Along this, along the seniority criticism for the pensions, excuse me, along the seniority, along with a seniority criteria for the pensions, thus allowing workers to retire early and a lax approach to the adopted to awarding disability pensions in southern Italy, which was considered a surrogate for more than an effective pro-growth, um, for, excuse me, considered more of a surrogate than of effective pro-growth policies. Few paid attention to the issue of the financial stability. After all, the voters of the future do not vote today, a.k.a. the welfare goodies. The third was a heavier regulation on the labor markets through the adoption of the 1970 so-called worker statute included in Article 18, which speculates that if the court finds an unjust dismissal of the employee of the firm from more than 15 employees with a long-term fixed contract, then the employee has the right to be reinstated. Skipping ahead again, and this is where everybody should have happy fun time. The force establishment through successive acts of 1968 and 1978, was a nationalized health care system that almost fully financed by taxes. Remember, Obamacare is taxation. It is not forcing you to buy something. Meaning that there was little incentive for consumers to economize the use of the medical services. And finally, in 1970, the government imposed compulsory rule that all employees of engineering and mental sectors which sustainably regulated and limited working times. The long-running negative effects of those of the other policies obscured by, in the short run by Italy's strong economic growth and by the low age of the population 
Generous pensions and health care expenses from small number of retirees were paid by large numbers of young workers, a.k.a. what happened in the baby boom generation. Years after those policies, along with heavier, even heavier regulations of the labor and services market, reduced productivity, made labor market more rigid, dramatically raised the costs of hiring, and promoted an ever greater public expenditures and accumulation of state debt, gee, hmm, in which turned around and absorbed an even greater share of private savings. So there you go, everybody. And once again, if you want to read the entire article... It is how the welfare state sank Italy, the Italian, excuse me, how the welfare state sank the Italian dream by Permacilio Fasalica, F-A-L-A-S-C-A. So that's my reference for this evening. And um, once again, that is one of the debates that we need to have in, in America. Not about uh, Obamacare, is it good, is it bad, what are we facing? So... That being said, I am now pulling up my friend, and um, I guess I don't know, Josh. What would you call me? My um, my my guide to mental health, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that's a that's a fairly descriptive way to put. It. I don't know. Um, I guess a, a a fellow a fellow thinker, a fellow in, traveler in an age of intellectual chaos. Yeah. That's, a, that's probably a good point. In an age of intellectual chaos, we are fellow travelers on a windy road to absolute uh, despotism, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's why uh, you and I have radio shows like this, so we don't reach that point of uh, despotic despair. But, you know, keep fighting the good fight, I guess. That was a terrifying article that you just read. Well, I mean, it's not that it's not that people don't know this. It's just that... I don't understand the philosophy behind the American public um, believing that, for whatever reason, that America is so different from everybody else, that things that happened in other countries can never happen here because this is America. What do you think that the um, – what do you think that is? Is that just the, the disconnect or is that, um, is that something that they – it's like wishful thinking? What do you think? Uh, you know, quite frankly, I think uh, a large part of what uh, that is uh, kind of kind of a, a part of, uh, and what distinguishes America from many European welfare states, uh, mm-hmm. including that the Italian example uh, mm-hmm. of the mid 1970s, uh, is that we have a we have a twofold welfare system. We have a state welfare system, and we have a corporate welfare system. Mm-hmm. Uh, the state welfare system, of course, helps uh, both of these. Uh, kind of arms of tyranny up, as we saw in 2008, quite clearly, too big to fail, too big to jail phenomenon. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have this uh, kind of implicit acceptance as Americans that um, if the government won't help you, then corporate America will help you. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't help but see uh, all these ads on television, as, as, as little as I watch it, about uh, Walmart's new employment push. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the big kicker is that they give you health care, right? So we we have a we have a welfare system that is uh, comprised of both uh, public and seemingly private entities. So it, it provides uh, again what seems to be a larger security net. But uh, once one of these these arms fails, there that's the nature of fascism is that they're so intertwined uh, mm-hmm. that this this wide social net to catch everybody 
uh, will eventually drop everyone as well. Can you caught me right in the middle of the sip, so that was that was good for radio. Nice little <laughs> happens to the best of us, man. Absolutely, sorry. But um, you know, let's 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 move on to some uh, some other breaking news. I'm just gonna read you some headlines. And um, how about this one? This is a good one for you. Arming TSA officers meets resistance on the hill, and it basically talks about how. Under the the recent attack at LAX, that um, that now the TSA workers would like to um, have firearms, would like to also carry handcuffs and be able to make arrests. So that's not the brown shirts or anything like that. I promise. But I can understand their fear and paranoia. But I also have to use um, some history here. And um, any time that you create a, a a bodied force outside of outside of excuse my swearing here, but outside of you know government control, you're basically creating a. Wouldn't this be considered a another arm of the federal government, and that would be armed, uh, going along with like the EPA and everybody else? Oh, absolutely, and I think this is a trend that we're starting to see going forward. Um, I'm really kind of hesitant to say that I believe that TSA agents themselves will be armed um, because, quite frankly, these are people that aren't trained in firearms. Uh, that's, not their, that's not their job description, right? They're just there mm-hmm. to molest your children and give you a healthy dose of radiation before you get on the plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can envision, however, is a, is a system much like uh, most of Europe has where there are armed police um, at all of these security checkpoints and uh, pacing up and down the terminals uh, with with large fully automatic weapons um, because, you know, everyone uh, at the airport it should be considered a potential threat according to um, the terrorists that run our government. Um, but it, it's uh, I, I would be very surprised uh, if, if TSA agents themselves uh, mm-hmm. had guns put in their hands. But again, uh, an expansion of the already existing uh, airport police force uh, that is uh, is certainly uh, not not outside the the bounds of possibility in my opinion. And um, it really does it really does beg the question, you know, if um, if the TSA hasn't stopped a a, um, a terrorist yet, even though they've they've claimed to stop you know over fifty, but there's no documented cases of this happening. And and they actually do more damage to the American psyche as well as more damage to their pocketbooks by stealing, you know, iPads, cash, silver, you name it, out of their out of their luggage. What what purpose does this force serve? And I and I don't mean to bash the people that work there because I'm not attacking you individually. I'm attacking the entity as a whole. And understand why we created the TSA. Well, we created the TSA because everybody was paranoid after 9-11, and we thought that we were going to get hit by terrorists every week. And it doesn't do us any favors that the government comes out and and always hypes the fact that we're getting hit by these terrorist attacks and that one guy goes nuts and shoots some people in a um, – in in a uh, in an airport now we have to lock the airport down we have to pull all this stuff in i just don't understand how how that works here in america but yet the american people are are perfectly fine 
with a Hellstorm missile going and blowing up an entire village to get one supposed bad guy because that's freedom. I just don't <laughs> understand the schizophrenic nature of that because we have to say these things out loud, and I want you to say them out loud to yourself, audience. Think about what I just said. It is okay. Let's all freak out because one um, one employee got shot and killed, you know, doing his job by a by a lunatic who had a I, I guess who was mentally unstable and had thoughts of committing suicide. And typically, that's what the television pushes us to do: is instead of have you know instead of committing suicide, just go and get shot up. It's very glorified. You know, you go there and you get a bunch of bullets in you, and then everybody stops and freaks out, and it's your one last hurrah. Instead of looking at it like that, we look at it from a perspective of they're keeping us safe and the missiles that go and kill those little kids in the village keep us safe as well. What is it with the schizophrenic nature of America that doesn't let us discern from, from reality what is going on here and, and how we're being indoctrinated to accept, uh, number one, hands on your body, and number two, um, armed, armed, just armed surveillance and... Everything, everywhere. Well, uh, I think there's there's certainly a lot to what you just said. Uh, I'd like to make a, a bit of a distinction between yourself and uh, the We Are Not Cattle media empire and, mm-hmm. uh, and the guests that you currently have on, in that you don't blame the individuals uh, working for the TSA. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the individuals working for the TSA, as much as uh, individual police officers, as much as individuals, IA agents, soldiers, or mm-hmm. uh, oncologists, uh, these people are, are not your friends. They're giving you false cancer treatments sponsored by the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, that, treatments that kill you. They are um, putting hands on your children uh, in places that no child should ever be touched. And the, again, they're, they're murdering innocent people all around the globe. Um, so, you know, these, these entities, despite the fact that they exist in a collectivized manner, uh, they can't exist if people don't sign up. So it's the fault of every individual who works works for the TSA for creating mm-hmm. the TSA. It, it, it absolutely is. At least that that's uh, that's how I see it. But when you get back to the root of why these things are done in airports and why uh, this kind of uh, modality has has been uh, forced on the American psyche since 9/11, uh, mm-hmm. it is. It's a it's a form of uh, promoting uh, psychological instability. Uh, in the wake of the largest snuff film ever to be broadcast over over the airwaves. And that's what 9-11 was. It was a snuff film that you were all forced to watch, and it created post-traumatic stress disorder. So every time yep. you go to the airport and these these images and this feeling comes over you uh, because it's it's so ingrained in your psyche, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it puts you into a state of complacency. And it, it truly is a testing ground to see how far... Uh, you you are personally willing to literally bend over for these people. Uh, mm. Will you hand your children over to them and and let uh, someone uh, uh, lay their hands on them? Uh, will you again allow yourself to be doused in radiation, albeit a light dose, supposedly, um, to to get on your airplane to see your family uh, for for Thanksgiving? I know the holiday season's coming up, and a lot of your listeners. Maybe even yourself are going to have to deal with this. So mm-hmm. it's um it, it it truly is it's it's a it's a psychological test. It's a litmus test of the American people to see how much they will submit. And uh, I just want to remind everyone out there that when you do fly, you can opt out of this stuff. 
Mm-hmm. You can opt out of the body scanners at the very least. They're going to lay their hands on you. There's not a whole lot you can do about that if you're going to use use uh, air as your primary means of transportation for for the holiday season. And I understand that that's uh, that, that's how most people have to travel, especially mm-hmm. long distances. But um, if you can if you can take back what little dignity you have going through that airport checkpoint, uh, do it by all means. Don't don't let these people put you through those machines. And just to piggyback on what you said, when I um when I um flew down for I made a, a sales trip for one of the companies I used to work for. They took the best sales reps and they flew us all down to Mexico and we had a big time and you know award dinners and stuff like that. And um, what happened was there were people going through the scanners, going through the scanners, and I get up there and I say I opt out. And so I got pushed, you know, put off to the side until somebody could come help me. And and my friend, as we were sitting at the, you know, I got the pat down and everything, and I looked at the guy when he came over to do it, and I said, I hope you don't enjoy this, man. You're violating almost every part of common law that has ever existed. And he's like, no, I don't like doing this, but I got to. And so... I mean, he was a cool enough guy, so we got to the um, got to the gate, and my friends all asked me, like, what did you do that for? How did you how did you get over there? Why didn't you have to go through the scanners? I said, you don't have to go through the scanners. They're like, what? What do you mean we don't have to go through? Just because everybody else does it doesn't mean you have to do it. And that's how conditioned everybody was. It was just like, well, this is where the line goes. This is where I go. I go right through here. And not understanding the fact that they can opt out of the scanners and even opt out of the system itself, which is amazing. So, anyway, I got one more article I wanted to touch on because we got about 10 minutes left here. So, check this out, man. So, it says, beware of the Fed's flu shots, says Michael Savage. And for anybody that doesn't know, Michael Savage is a conservative talk radio host. He's probably the second or third largest talk radio host in the United States. Who also has a he's also a doctor by the way, and he has his degree in um good God, I cannot remember, I think it's something to do with um oh man, I cannot remember he's got a doctorate though, and um here's what the article says, and this I guess was from his um from his radio show. It says, don't get a flu shot warns conservative talk radio host Michael Savage because you can't trust the government. He says, did Harry Reid get a get a flu shot?" Did Barack Obama get a flu shot? Did Barack Obama's lovely family take the flu shot? Did Joe Biden take one? He says, so far there has been no response and very suspicious. If the CDC is going to urge Americans to get vaccinated, the White House could at least say whether Sasha or Maya got their Mia. I don't even know her name. I don't really care. You're just front people. The flu vaccine contains... um, Excuse me, formaldehyde, known as a carcinogen, Savage said, it's totally true. Getting a flu shot might be the same as eating a FEMA trailer insulation, but if you're having formaldehyde injected, but you are having formaldehyde injected into your body. He says the same with thimerosal, mercury-laced organic compound used as a preservative. It's not used as a preservative, it's just used to throw mercury in your body. I've already had this conversation before. Dimerosol has also been linked to some autism. Now the pro-flu lobby will tell you that it is negligible um, quantities of formaldehyde and thimerosal are in the vaccines are harmless and even for young children. I would remind you that the side effects are very rare, that you, can, you can't get the flu from getting vaccinated, and with the new combined shots, 
with the protection against both H1N1 and the seasonal flu, which are made the same way as the old flu shots. But, uh, but says Dr. Savage, um, he's not a medical doctor, but he, he is a doctor. I think he's a, uh, or I can't remember. It has to do with um, the study of compounds or something. Suppose that you did get your flu shot in the past year. Did you get ALS or Alzheimer's disease or MS, or did you watch one of your kids develop seizures? Did you watch your kid become autistic? God forbid, were you going to say that? Said so you should have gotten the flu shot back in 2012. And that's what, unless you got Alzheimer's. So it is amazing to see people that used to call Josh, you and I, conspiracy theorists, because we wouldn't trust the government putting chemicals into our body, which we knew had properties that could give us side effects, but yet everybody says they're fine. I even have a um, friend of a friend that works at the CDC, and we got into this debate about flu shots two years ago, and they took the – it was Orwellian, Josh. You're going to love this. I asked them if they would vaccinate their kid and if they knew that their kid would risk dying and and just would they still vaccinate their kid if their kid died. I, and they said, yes, we would because it's, you know, it helps the population. I said, well, if I – I'm like, if your kid gets vaccinated and my kid doesn't, your kid's already vaccinated against the disease, and they told me how it works, and I was like, okay, I understand the 90%. So they would actually vaccinate their kid and let their kid die just because it would be for the betterment of the earth. Now, what would you say to that, Mr. Ecoscience? Um, obviously, I think they're disgusting human beings, but, you know, <laughs> at, at the end of the day... You know, they, they, are, they are truly following Amtsprache, you know, the German official language, uh, which was the, the result of, or not the result, the, the cause of so many of the, um, the mm. awful atrocities of Nazi Germany, in that, uh, you know, it was essentially the, the don't blame me, don't ask me questions, I'm just driving mm-hmm. the trains kind of response. <laughs> um, I don't know what the cargo is, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, having... Recently, oh, 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 all right. you, you, hold on a second. I gotta, I gotta close this window. I think the Drudge Report's killing, it's killing your audio. All right, go ahead. Oh yeah, Drudge Report tends to do that sometimes with the auto refresh. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, there we go. Much better. Go ahead. Great, but but I don't know about you, but I've uh, I've been to the doctor somewhat recently, uh, and uh, on, on the on the back of the door uh, in the office was uh, essentially uh, a. a bit of fear-mongering from the CDC about mm-hmm. the necessity for vaccinations and uh, oh, yeah. how you're, you're, you're doing your part if you go and you get vaccinated or you get your mm-hmm. children vaccinated. That's what it was specifically for, was getting mm-hmm. your child vaccinated, someone mm-hmm. who doesn't have the choice at that point, which is, which is truly insidious. But, you know, we, uh, it's, it's interesting that Michael Savage is starting to talk about some of these things, um, and it's interesting that it's reaching kind of a, a common dialogue. I don't know if you remember um, back when the uh, – it was an ovarian cancer vaccination. I forget the exact name of it. Oh, I got you. Um, Gardasil. Gardasil. Yeah, Gardasil. That was it. Yeah, and killed, a, killed a, a great number of people. I, I actually had a friend uh, growing up in high school whose father um, said – he, he was a pharmaceutical rep for Pfizer, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. said uh, he, he, he would not let his, his daughters get the Gardasil vaccine because uh, all these clinical trials were coming up with people dead, and they weren't publishing this information. 
Oh, imagine that. Come on. Oh, I, I know, right? So, so once this information kind of starts to bubble to the surface, uh, we can really get a more comprehensive understanding of how dangerous these things truly are. And if you really want to get into the grammar uh, uh, in, the, in the trivium sense, the understanding of what's really going on, look at the people mm-hmm. who are funding these movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's people like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Rockefeller mm-hmm. Foundation, the Ford mm-hmm. Foundation, the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, and I use that phrase very, very lightly. Oh, come um, on. Come on. <laughs> but, but what these people are, are eugenicists. And this sounds nuts, because eugenics is certainly a pseudoscience. Uh, you know, most of humanity has known this is a pseudoscience, at least since the days of Nazi Germany. But, you know, we also have to realize that, that Hitler took most of his cues from America. Uh, the mm-hmm. reason we don't read Mein Kampf in, uh, in our history classes in America oh, is to get a true gee, understanding. Don't, talk about, don't talk about the hundred pages in there where it talks about how the U.S. is the most German nation on the planet. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and half of Mein Kampf is essentially a love letter to the Ford family. Uh, and to and to the model of corporatization and uh, and and the model of eugenics. Um, so to think that these things kind of stopped in America after the the end of the Nazi Empire. You mean just, after it, we brought it, over the ten thousand scientists and all that and said, show us what the hell you guys did? That was awesome. Exactly. Even barring Project Paperclip, even barring the fact that you know the the prolific work of a researcher by the name of Anthony Sutton who wrote a series on uh, Wall Street and the rise of Bolshevism, um, mm-hmm. the rise of FDR, and, speci- and the one that I'm really talking about is the rise of, of Hitler, um, mm-hmm. we, we start to see this, uh, this, this pattern emerge where this very elite class funds incredibly amoral, uh, immoral, heinous things uh, simply to, uh, to, to, to garner knowledge and leverage over the average man. Now, whether that be financial, uh, institutional, or medical in this instance, uh, they really don't seem to care too much about uh, the average Joe on the street. So uh, I just I just really like people to, to kind of look into the history of that and to look into mm-hmm. the history of, of eugenics specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a great documentary uh, called Maafa 21, M-A-A-F-A, and the number two one, that's on YouTube. Um, but it, it's essentially about uh, the history of, of eugenics on the a- on the African American population specifically, uh, mm. and how how none of these things really uh, ended. They just simply shifted from a form of hard eugenics, which is the to soft the, the kill over- eugenics. Exactly to soft mm. eugenics. And the big distinction is hard eugenics is killing these people outright, and soft eugenics is either I got a shot for you. From- Exactly, preventing them from reproducing or, or giving them such horrible, disfiguring uh, kind of mental or physical disabilities that no one would want to reproduce with them anyways. So, yeah, it's, it's nuts, dude. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Finish your thoughts. It, it, it's all nuts. I, I, just, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm really glad that, that you brought that up tonight. I think it's a huge issue, that, and I'm glad Michael Savage is bringing it, up, bringing it up, despite the fact that I don't have a lot of love for conservative talk radio anymore. Um, but I'm glad that these issues are kind of starting to break into the public nexus. It's, it, we really need to have a national dialogue about all this stuff. Well, absolutely, and I have no problem with the idea of vaccination. I do have a problem with Bill and Melinda Gates going over to India and giving 100 – no, well, excuse me, 40,000 kids polio. Oh, I'm sorry. Gee, 
You must have got a bad batch. We're so sorry about that. <laughs> so, exactly, yeah. And I'm not meaning to be – it's gallows humor, people, because it's really, really terrifying what's going on. And like I said, I have no problem with, against vaccinations if we could do clean vaccines. But just think about what Michael Savage says. Think about how many of these people, quote-unquote, in high levels of authority do not take vaccines. But yet everywhere you turn, hey – Get 20% off your purchase, and you uh, get the flu shot, get 20% off your purchase. So well, they, they, I don't have time to – They don't to, GMO I, either. Oh, oh, no, hell no. <laughs> That's for the slaves. That's for the slaves. So anyway, um, thank you so much to Josh Wiley for joining me tonight. Remember, everybody, tune in in about an hour over on libertymovementradio.com. Yours truly will be there for about a half an hour. I think Josh will be coming up after that. I might stay on the entire time while Josh is there just so we can horse around. So thanks for joining me, everybody. Remember, get a friend, get informed, get involved. Follow me on Twitter, wearenotcattle.net. Put up some new content. Check it out. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.